A violent gang threatens your congregation and demands money. A sexual predator begins to attend your church. The government becomes hostile to the very existence of your church. Fraudsters preying upon fellow church members with financial scams. These are the real problems confronting some congregations. Today's guest on Ministry in Motion, James Standish, has encountered issues like these and assisted in resolving them favorably for the church. James will share with you helpful insights on resolving complex problems confronting congregations. You're watching Ministry in Motion, where we explore best practices for your ministry in the 21st century. James, governments, whether it's a local government or a, a national government, they can at times be hostile towards churches. Absolutely. Look, we've faced issues across the world in Asia. We've uh, faced issues in uh, Europe. We've faced issues even in North America where you have local zoning uh, requirements, for example, that can actually zone out churches from neighborhoods. So it can be a very complicated thing just to operate a church, forget about all the intricacies of the service, et cetera, et cetera, just actually getting operational permission. And that's something that uh, I've done a lot of work on over the years, uh, both in, uh, in, in the U.S. context, but also uh, overseas. Right. OK. So let's say a, a local church, everything's going well, good people attending, mm -hmm. and the local government decides to change all the parking around the local church. Yeah, very, very, very typical problem. Uh, in fact, I was just uh, at a, uh, a small church not far from here, which had a problem where uh, a similar sort of issue, government uh, zoned, uh, changed the zoning so they couldn't meet actually in the building. Wow. Uh, and so uh, when you have these kinds of problems, the first place to start off is, and I've got, I've got sort of the, the three things that you should always do with complex problems. So let, let's just start there. Uh, the first is the three things you're gonna need. You're gonna need a little bit of creativity, okay? okay. A complex problems require thinking creatively because if they were simple, you'd just go down a, a regular roadmap. The second thing is tenacity. That is, you've got to stick with things. You can't just walk away and give up because complex problems do not solve themselves. And the third thing is relationships. Okay, okay relationships are massive. Almost any problem is solvable if you know the right people. So let's start off with the, uh, with the zoning uh, issue. Uh, maybe I'll give you an analogy. I used to live on Constitution Avenue in Washington, DC. Mm -hmm. I did not like the amount of traffic that was coming down my street. <laughs> and the reason I didn't like it was because the city had made it one way in the morning so to uh, allow commuters from the suburbs to get in, which turned my front yard, my front street, into like a, 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 you know, a freeway. Yeah. So I went to the uh, city and said, look, I want this change to be a two-way street the whole time. This is Constitution Avenue in D.C. It's a big ask, right? Yeah. Uh, of course, I didn't get anywhere. So what I did was I decided to look on who could get this changed? Relationships. Okay. okay. Who is the person? Who's got the power? Who's got the leverage? Turned out the city councilman did. Turned out the election was coming up. Turns out I had a meeting with the guy who was running for it. I ended up marching with him in the July 4th parade on Capitol Hill. Uh, I, I, I got to know him quite well. I supported him in his election. This is on a personal basis. He got in. One of the first things he did when he got into office 
was to change the street uh, traffic pattern so that now I had a two-way street out front of my house. Right. <laughs> and it okay. solved my problem. Relationships. So if you are running a church, my first uh, challenge to you is get to know the local officials that you're dealing with. Don't wait for a problem. Problems will come. Right. Okay. Have them over. Go to their offices. Invite them to address your church. Just become a good neighbor, a good friend, a good part of the community. And when a problem occurs, Anthony, right. you've got someone to talk to. All right. I, I'm really intrigued to hear of some creative examples of how you can approach a problem creatively. Have you got, have you got some oh, I've got, examples of that? <laughs> I've got so many examples. I'll just give you one example. Okay. Uh, we, we, we had a problem with a, uh, a country. I won't get into the names of it because sure. things have changed. Yeah. I don't want to get anyone in trouble over there. But, mm -hmm. but it was one of the stand countries in, 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 in uh, Central Asia. Right. And <clears throat> they had uh, physically destroyed our church, put our pastor in prison, uh, and uh, had banned our congregation and, uh, and done a number of acts against Adventists. We'd been there pre-Soviet Union times, but this happened uh, uh, after the end of the Soviet Union. So how do you handle that? And the first thing I was told was the country's government in question is impervious to your appeals. If they wanted to do something, they would have done it, right? right. Um, so you realize going to the government, going to the embassy, going to their uh, representatives in national conferences, etc., isn't going to get you anywhere. So. Eventually, I found a colleague, a friend, uh, who I got to know. Mm -hmm. Friends are important. Right. Relationships. <laughs> Relationships matter. Okay. Uh, who uh, worked for the U.S. government. Uh, he actually um, had cousins who were Adventists. So we had that relationship, that commonality. He started to begin a relationship. And he was going to the capital of the country in question, and he was meeting with their foreign minister. And so we had a little conversation before he went over there. When he got to the capital, when he met with the foreign minister, one of the issues he raised was our church. Mm -hmm. Now, you can imagine we're tiny in this country. Nobody cares about us. All of a sudden, you have a representative from the U.S. government, and you can't ignore that representative. It's, it's, it's not a joke, right? Yeah. And he's saying, sort this out. Mm. Well, guess what, Anthony? It got sorted out. Good. Good. And that's one example. I'll give you another example. And sure. I, know, I know everyone can't just be, be yeah. you know, pulling these kind of contacts because not everyone has that kind of uh, reach. What I'm, what I'm saying is, though, think about the process. Mm -hmm. Okay, you go here, you go to point number one, they don't want to hear from you. Maybe it's the council well, with your zoning example. Maybe it's uh, the state. So then you go to the federal government. If you can't get it at the federal government, maybe you go to the state government. Maybe you go to the local government. You start looking at who the options are. I'll give you another example. We had an issue with a uh, believer who was imprisoned in, uh, I guess I'll just... Do you, do, do you need to say the country? Yeah, okay, I'll leave okay. the countryside. Uh, and he was a convert who had uh, fled because he'd been uh, threatened with death. Uh, he was imprisoned in this uh, country in Europe. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, we tried to get him out of prison and uh, tried to get him asylum. The problem was that he was about to be deported back to his home country where we believed he'd be killed and for very good reason. Um, we tried to go the U.S. route that I just mentioned. Did not work. Did not work. Country wasn't interested. Mm -hmm. uh, but then we went with a member of the European Parliament and we got the, we got the result that we needed. Okay. My point is you can't simply map out and say, this is what worked last time, this is what's mm -hmm. going to work this time. No, you go 
every which way until you get, and that's also part of the tenacity, right? So multiple approaches. Absolutely, and, yeah. and you just keep on going until you find the right, the, the door that's open. There's a thousand doors out there. Mm -hmm. You open each one. Right. Sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. If they don't, you come out of the room, you start over again. Let me just ask you quickly, mm -hmm. when do we cross the, the unethical line in oh, terms sure. of relationships with government officials uh -huh. and, and that type of thing? Sure. When, when do we go from having a cordial, yeah. legitimate relationship sure. to an unethical relationship? Well, look, I, look, I never endorse uh, politicians. I never, uh, you know, I'm not a member of a political party. Mm -hmm. uh, you keep the church totally out of that stuff. But having relationships doesn't mean that you're uh, the person who is, is supporting, uh, you know, uh, the presidential candidate or regime. We've got to be very careful that the church has uh, made that mistake in, in certain uh, circumstances. And, uh, of course, regimes change. Yes. And governments do bad things. And mm. if you're associate, associated with what they've done, well, you're associated with the, with the deeds, uh, both good and bad. So, it, it's, it's, of course, it's always important to, 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 to take a step back. And, I, you know, I've cringed when I've seen pastors or uh, religious leaders get too close and, and, and get played, essentially, by politicians and leaders. Got to be very, very careful of that. But on the converse side of it, if, you know, uh, we need to get to know people exactly. because we are part of society. Society is part of us. Ellen White, you know, uh, early on said some very interesting things about our, our responsibility within a society. This is more broadly, but she said, you know, we have, we have to raise our voice through uh, pen and voice and vote when mm -hmm. she was talking about the temperance movement because we have that ability to do it. And when we're silent, well, that silence is a statement. Right. So there's no neutrality in, in a complex yeah, society. Exactly. That's just the reality. So, James, straight after this break, yeah. I want to come back and, and discuss with you how, how to manage financial scamming. That sure, absolutely. Big issue in the church. We'll be right back with more Ministry in Motion. Welcome back to Ministry in Motion. Our topic today is resolving complex problems confronting congregations. And our guest, James Standish. Now, James, scammers, they can attend churches and, and work with fellow attendees of, sure. of a congregation. What can a church do? Well, first, Anthony, there's actually a term for this kind of scammer. It's called affinity scam. Affinity means a relationship or a friendship or a group identity. And affinity scamming is a very, very effective tool for uh, leveraging your relationships to get money unethically, right? And it's a big problem in the Seventh-day Adventist church. It's a big problem across communities, across the, uh, across the boards. I'll give you an example. Some of you have heard of the Bernie Madoff uh, scam. It's the biggest financial scam uh, in history. Bernie Madoff was Jewish, and the targets of his scam were pre predominantly other Jewish uh, believers. Now, you imagine they trusted him. Why would they trust him? He's one of us. He's one of us. He's also someone who's very skilled. He has a lot of background. We trust Bernie. But Bernie turned out to be a scam artist who scammed a lot of people out of a lot of money and uh, even put some Jewish organizations out of business by scamming so much cash from them, okay? 
So it happens. It happens in other communities. It happens in our community. I've seen it happen in the United States. I've seen it happen in Australia. I've seen it happen with people who really are fairly prominent in the Seventh-day Adventist church, not as uh, uh, professional ministers, but as people who are well-known, who are invited places, who are promoting financial scams. Things to look out for. The first thing is, I can get you a return on your money that beats the market. Mm -hmm. The chances that you can do that are exceedingly slim. So too good to be true. Too good to be true. The second thing is when you press, the first scam that I uh, became aware of that was working in Maryland was, oh, we can get you this, this money because we own gold mines. You know, so you own gold mines. So what? There's a million companies that own gold mines. You can invest in them. They're on the open market. Why would you be providing some sort of fabulous return when the others aren't? Another one was, oh, we own oil reserves. So mm -hmm. completely different scam, different country, different people involved. The same basic idea. Oh, oil's valuable. Well, I worked for Shell Oil uh, when I first came out of college, okay? Right. I know how oil companies work, and there's no magic to it. Yes, you can invest in Shell Oil or BP or, or any other company that you want to. Uh, but the bottom line is uh, you're going to get a return, but it's not going to be some fabulous return that beats the market and guarantees and so forth. So that's the first thing. If that's going on in your congregation, you have to address it. Unfortunately, pastors, just like everybody else, can get caught up in these scams. They think, oh, man, you know, the, this guy's really got it. The way to do this, I think, is to realize what you know and what you don't know. So that's a great place to start. And there's something called the Dunning-Kruger effect. I don't know if you're aware of it. If, uh, if your viewers haven't uh, looked it up, Google it, Dunning-Kruger. And that is, we tend to overestimate our expertise in areas where we know less, okay? Often the people who are the most modest about their knowledge are the people who know the most, right? And so what happens sometimes is pastors think, well, I checked it out. They own gold mines. That's what, that's what I got from uh, uh, when, uh, you know, with, with, uh, mm -hmm. uh, or, or uh, I, I checked it out. They own oil reserves. Of course you can get these fabulous returns. The pastor didn't understand the issue. The second one I was dealing with, a fairly senior church administrator, just did not know what they didn't know. Get somebody in your congregation or in your church community who is actually a financial uh, professional, someone who actually works in this area, maybe a lawyer, maybe, maybe an MBA, maybe a CPA, and try to get things sorted out and checked out and then be transparent about it with your church members. You will get people angry, okay? I had some of the angriest emails I've ever had when I exposed the uh, oil investment fraud, okay? And uh, I was called all sorts of things uh, and uh, took a lot of heat. But I'll tell you something, I was right, it was a scam, and there you have it. And I'd rather take a little heat, and I say to the pastors, take a little heat in the short term, mm. because that's what leadership is, but get it sorted out in the long run. If you don't feel comfortable, and you probably don't, uh, really looking into the heart of that, go to, a, go to an outside expert, even a non-Adventist expert, somebody who really understands how markets work and what, what the proposition is, and get an outside opinion. It might cost you a thousand or two thousand bucks, but it's going to be a lot cheaper than if half your congregation's scammed out of tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah. And the old adage, if you've got money to invest, you've got money to, to really do your homework first. <laughs> you hope so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, James, another issue that can emerge in churches is issues with citizenship. Oh, absolutely. Um, the, even the, the legal, legality of presence. Sure. And, and this, this can be a delicate one because right. we've got um, government laws, we've got community expectations. Absolutely. And yet we've got people 
that are in need. Absolutely. How, how do we balance this difference? Well, I, I think, you, I think you've, you've laid it out beautifully. For me, I always put people first, and, and I'm going to unpackage that a little bit. But first, you should know this isn't just a United States problem. It's not just Australia, Europe, uh, Canada problem. It doesn't matter where you go. I was in South Africa last time I was there. I met some people who were living in South Africa illegally. They come from neighboring countries. So there, this, is, this is a problem with, with immigration and, and people worldwide. movement worldwide because yeah. people trying to get out of difficult situations, and I don't blame them. Yeah. That's what I would do if I was in a big mess, right? Mm. If I was in a country where I was insecure and my family was threatened. So there's a couple things to know. First thing is, it is not against the law. In fact, it is a legal right to claim asylum in every country that is a signatory to the United Nations Convention on Asylum and Refugees. And are most countries a signatory to uh, Many are, not okay. all, but okay. many are. Okay, okay. so let's, let's just start off with that. What does that mean? It means if you're in a country, whether it's the United States or Australia or Europe or many countries in Asia, Africa and South America and so forth, um, if, if your country is a, is, a, is a signator and you come and you say, I am claiming asylum because I have well, a well-founded fear of persecution on the basis of, and you run down the, the list, uh, national origin, religion, political affiliation and so forth, you have a right to be there. You are not there illegally. Okay. Now, we're using these terms very loosely now in our, in our public discourse. You are not in a country illegally if you, because that, that's our law. Mm -hmm. uh, that, that, that's in national law. So that's the first thing. The, the next thing is, if you have a parishioner who has that claim, how do you get legal help? Because those kind of cases don't pay. Mm -hmm. I know because I've handled a few. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, so the, um, there are organizations in, in nearly every major city, uh, in at least in Western countries, that handle these cases gratis. I gotta say, I'll say it straight out: the Catholics have a very good ministry in this area, and uh, I have worked with them on this on this particular issue because they have the resources uh, to help, uh, the legal resources and also the, the background. Um, in your city, in your your state, it might be a, a different a different group. Search them out. So the pastor finds the right person. Also, you may have lawyers in your congregation who can provide assistance. So that's the, so that, that, but there are also people who don't have a legal right to be in the country, mm. in a sense. So what do you do then? Well, the first thing I would uh, suggest is you treat them with the dignity and respect that every single person uh, is, is, is accorded. Secondly, um, a little bit complicated, but you, you want to make sure that they're safe and they're secure. I would never uh, get into this business of... Um, uh, putting people in, or et cetera, et cetera. Being out of status is a very different law-breaking than most things. It isn't a moral crime in the sense of stealing or, 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 or murder or bashing people up, whatever it is. It often is a, quote, crime, or, but it's, it's a crime of just trying to survive. Mm. I don't see that. It's not a moral crime. Failing, yeah. if that you, yeah. you understand what I'm saying, it is, and 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 so I think that we have to be very, very um, <clears throat> compassionate, thoughtful, and protective, knowing that often these people are the most vulnerable people in our society. And if we read the Bible, and I do, and I know you do, and I know your pastors do, yeah. you know what the Bible says about the strangers. You know what this says about the poorest. You know what it says about the vulnerable and the and the ostracized and the marginalized. We have to be very, very gentle very, very caring, and do our very best to care for people in that situation. Thanks, James. We've got to go to a break. Sure. When we come back, we'll talk about sexual predators. Sure. We'll be right back with more Ministry in Motion.
Welcome back to Ministry in Motion. Our topic today, resolving complex problems, confronting congregations. And our guest, James Standish. Now, one thing about these problems, James, is that they're controversial. Absolutely. And that adds to the complexity of the situation, <laughs> as we just discovered in the last segment with, with immigration. Sure. But let's move on to another controversial but complex problem, and that's with a sexual predator sure. at, attending a church. Mm -hmm. What, what do we do? Well, here's the deal, Anthony, and that is this is an issue. When we said these issues uh, are, are important to some congregations, I would guess that this issue comes up in nearly every congregation at some point. Uh, I've ha had to do some work on this issue uh, in relation to an investigation of the church, and I went through the records of a, 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 a long period of time, and what I was shocked to discover was just how prevalent this issue is not in the Catholic Church, not in the out there in the society, right within the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And, and it's, a, it's across all denominations. It is across all denominations. Yeah. It's across all organizations where kids are involved yeah. or where people are vulnerable, okay? Uh, including sports leagues and et cetera, secular things, scouts, whatever it is, okay? Yeah. And the reason for that is that, that these uh, entities provide an opportunity. And what you often find is that sexual predators, particularly on the young and the vulnerable, are people who are very socially skilled. They're often very well connected. They often have friends who are in leadership in the church. Sometimes they're even church leaders themselves, okay? So how do you handle that? Well, the first thing is <clears throat> when you find out that there's an issue, get the police involved, get them involved early, and get them in and give them complete information. Do not try to handle these sorts of things unilaterally by yourself. There's what what we, if somebody says, what happened to the presumption of innocence? Why are you Yeah, that's the why police? you get the police involved. They investigate. They still have the presumption of innocence, but they have, have an investigation. That is, most pastors and most church boards are not equipped to do a serious investigation. And most of us are biased because we know the people who are involved, especially in small churches. That's the first thing. Don't hesitate. But even if you get to a situation where there is no charge or no conviction, but you believe that somebody is preying on kids or vulnerable people, I believe you have a moral obligation to get out there and, uh, and, and, and uh, separate that person from vulnerable people. It's just simply a, a case of you don't want this to happen. It's happened to way too many kids in the church, way too many uh, vulnerable people. We can't let it happen. Ellen White actually speaks about this. Mm -hmm. She says that, uh, talking about someone who is a sexual predator in her time, she says, that person cannot come back into the congregation. They're going to have to work out their salvation individually with God. They can't do it in, within the context of the group. Now, that doesn't mean God doesn't forgive them and they don't find redemption. But you separate a person who is, uh, has this issue. Now, one of the things that is an option is people say, well, is that excluding people? Is it, is it um, throwing people back to the world? You can have a home church at that person's house in the afternoon where it's only adults, for example. That's fine. Or non-vulnerable people. Or non-vulnerable people. If it's, yeah. if it's a, but once somebody has crossed that line, once they've, you do not want to put them back into the, into the pen. You have a responsibility. What we often do is we vastly overvalue uh, over, uh, the rights of adults and vastly undervalue the rights of children. Once that's happened to a kid, it is a very serious problem that that kid and, and family are going to have to deal with for the rest of their lives. Protect the kids, be strong, get the cops involved, 
also go to social services organizations if, if, uh, if you have those. Uh, appeal to get uh, broader uh, uh, community involvement within the, within the church to make sure the church uh, people who work on these issues, uh, whether they're lawyers or administrators, are involved. And do not cave. You mm -hmm. will get pressure. But, but God will hold you responsible if you don't stand up. Yeah. We've only got seconds left. <laughs> and, and when you're describing pressure, I'm thinking the, the predator will have some very significant strong support. That's How right. do you meet that pressure? You know, sometimes leadership is a lonely business. You know, think about Churchill standing up to Hitler, okay? You know, the whole of, the whole of Europe fallen. You've got to be lonely. You've got to be strong. That's what it means to be a leader. That's what Moses was like uh, when everyone was worshipping the calf. That's what Jesus was like on Calvary. Sometimes you've got to be strong and just take your hits. You can't be popular and be a good leader all the time. Thanks so much, James. Thank We've you. covered a lot of areas. <laughs> I wish we had time to unpack a lot of these a little more. Yeah. Controversial, but we're so pleased that you came on Ministry in Motion. It's Thank a pleasure. You. Thanks so much for joining us on today's Ministry in Motion. Our topic, of course, was resolving complex problems, confronting congregations with James Standish. There are five major points that we discovered in the program. First of all, if you're running a church, be a good neighbor and get to know community leadership. Secondly, don't allow yourself to become enmeshed in the political process. Thirdly, beware of affinity scammers, those who try to financially benefit from personal relationships. The fourth point was, don't overestimate your expertise in legal or financial matters. And the final point, in the case of abuse, involve the authorities immediately. Don't attempt to resolve the situation yourself. Once again, thanks for joining us on Ministry in Motion. Of course, we're available here on the Hope Channel and also on our website, ministryinmotion.tv. Bye for now.